Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about systemic sclerosis. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash systemic sclerosis or in the rheumatology section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Systemic sclerosis is an autoimmune connective tissue disease involving inflammation and fibrosis, which is hardening or scarring, of the connective tissues, the skin and the internal organs. The cause is unclear. The term scleroderma translates directly to hardening of the skin. The terms systemic sclerosis and scleroderma are often used interchangeably. Most patients with scleroderma have systemic sclerosis. However, there is a localized version of scleroderma that only affects the skin. There are two main disease patterns in systemic sclerosis limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis and diffuse cutaneous systemic sclerosis. So let's start with limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis. Limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis is the more limited version of the disease. It used to be called CREST syndrome and CREST forms a mnemonic for remembering the features of limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis. C for calcinosis, R for Raynaud's phenomenon, E for esophageal dysmotility, S for sclerodactyly, and T for telangiectasia. And we'll talk in more detail about all of these features shortly. Next, let's discuss diffuse cutaneous systemic sclerosis. Diffuse cutaneous systemic sclerosis includes the crest features, but it also affects the internal organs causing cardiovascular problems, for example hypertension and coronary artery disease, lung problems, for example pulmonary hypertension and pulmonary fibrosis, and kidney problems, for example glomerulonephritis and scleroderma renal crisis. So let's talk in more detail about the features. Scleroderma refers to hardening of the skin giving the appearance of shiny, tight skin without the normal skin folds. These changes are most notable on the hands and the face. Sclerodactyly refers to the skin changes in the hands. Skin tightening around the joints of the hands restricts the range of motion and reduces the function. The fat pads on the fingers are lost and the skin can break easily and ulcerate. Telangiectasia refers to dilated blood vessels in the skin measuring less than 1 mm in diameter. Calcinosis refers to calcium deposits under the skin, most commonly found on the fingertips. Esophageal dysmotility is caused by atrophy and dysfunction of the smooth muscle of the esophagus, as well as fibrosis of the esophagus. It causes swallowing difficulties, chest pain, acid reflux and esophagitis or inflammation in the esophagus. Systemic hypertension and pulmonary hypertension or high blood pressure is caused by connective tissue dysfunction in the systemic and the pulmonary arterial systems in the blood vessels. Systemic hypertension can be worsened by renal impairment. 
Pulmonary fibrosis occurs in severe systemic sclerosis, and this has a gradual onset of a dry cough and shortness of breath. Scleroderma renal crisis is a medical emergency with severe hypertension and renal failure. Next, let's talk about Raynaud's phenomena. Raynaud's phenomenon is where the fingertips change colour in response to even mildly cold triggers, for example, opening the fridge. It's caused by vasoconstriction or closing up of the vessels that supply the fingers. The typical pattern is they first turn white due to vasoconstriction, then they turn blue due to cyanosis, and then they turn red due to reperfusion and hyperemia. They go white because the blood vessels close, they go blue because of a lack of oxygen, and then when they reperfuse, they go red because blood rushes back into them. Raynaud's disease is where Raynaud's phenomenon occurs without associated systemic disease. It is idiopathic, meaning there's no other secondary cause, and it makes up 80 to 90% of patients who have Raynaud's phenomenon. Systemic sclerosis is the most important secondary cause of Raynaud's phenomenon. It's less commonly associated with systemic lupus erythematosus. Nail fold capillaroscopy is a technique to magnify and examine the peripheral capillaries where the skin meets the base of the fingernail, which is the nail fold. The signs that are suggestive of systemic sclerosis on nail fold capillaroscopy are abnormal capillaries, avascular areas where there's no blood vessels, and microhemorrhages or small spots of bleeding. Patients with Raynaud's disease where there's no systemic sclerosis will have normal nail fold capillaries on capillaroscopy. The treatment options for Raynaud's includes keeping the hands warm, for example with gloves and hand warmers, calcium channel blockers, for example nifedipine, and other specialist drugs including losartan, ACE inhibitors, sildenafil and fluoxetine. Beta blockers can worsen the symptoms of Raynaud's. Next let's talk about autoantibodies in systemic sclerosis. Antinuclear antibodies, or ANA, are positive in most patients with systemic sclerosis. Antinuclear antibodies are non-specific, meaning they can occur in other diseases, for example SLE or systemic lupus erythematosus, or autoimmune hepatitis. Anticentromere antibodies are most associated with limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis. Anti-SCL70 antibodies are most associated with diffuse cutaneous systemic sclerosis and more severe disease. Next let's talk about the diagnosis. The American College of Rheumatology slash European League Against Rheumatism classification criteria from 2013 can be used to make the diagnosis. And this takes into account the clinical features, antibodies, and nail fold capillaroscopy. Next, let's talk about management. Disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs or DMARDs, for example, methotrexate, and biologic therapies, for example, rituximab, are options in diffuse disease. 
Steroids may be considered but are associated with an increased risk of scleroderma renal crisis. Non-medical management involves avoiding smoking, gentle skin stretching to maintain the range of motion, regular emollients to keep the skin hydrated and healthy, avoiding cold triggers for Raynaud's, physiotherapy to help maintain healthy joints, and occupational therapy for adaptations to daily living to cope with the limitations. Medical management focuses on treating the symptoms and the complications. Nifedipine is usually first line for Raynaud's phenomenon. Proton pump inhibitors, for example, omeprazole or lanzoprazole, are used to treat acid reflux. Prokinetic medications, for example, metoclopramide, can be used for gastrointestinal symptoms. Analgesia can be used for joint pain. Antibiotics may be required for skin infections. Antihypertensive medication, for example, ACE inhibitors, are used to treat hypertension and scleroderma renal crisis. Endothelin receptor antagonists, for example, bosentan, may be used for pulmonary hypertension and digital ulcers, or ulcers on the fingers. Sildenafil may be used for pulmonary hypertension and digital ulcers associated with Raynaud's phenomenon. Intravenous iloprost may be used for digital ulcers. Oxygen may be required for pulmonary fibrosis and a stem cell transplantation may be considered in rapidly progressing severe disease, but this carries significant risks. So thanks for listening to this episode on systemic sclerosis. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast, and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about polymyalgia rheumatica.